You see, pride is the biggest barrier in one's relationship with one's heavenly Father. As with the older brother in the story, pride in our good behavior can lead us to think that one has earned a relationship with God and can keep one from knowing their heavenly Father. you to do something different today. I want everyone, everyone to pull out your telephone, your cell phone. Uh, Yeah, I want you to pull them out. Pull them out. I want you to go to your phone. Now, this is if you've got a smartphone. Some of you still have flip phones, and you may not be able to do it with a flip phone, but anyway. If you've got a smartphone, then I want you to go to your camera and open up your camera, and I want you to flip it around so that you can see yourself. Yeah. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want everyone in this congregation to take a selfie. Go, yeah, come on now. Got it. I want everyone, everyone to take a selfie. Now, I want you to post it on social media sometime today. In fact, if you want to do it right now, it's okay. Go ahead and post it on social media. Uh, you know, this is me, uh, in, you know, whatever you want to say. But, I, you know, I, I, you know I, I, I get tickled. Have you ever noticed people that, that take selfies a lot? Now, I, I'll just be honest. I'm not one that takes selfies. Um, in fact, I don't really take a whole lot of pictures of myself, and, uh, and there's a reason for that. And, uh, you know, but anyway, but, uh, but anyway, everybody, have you noticed everybody taking selfies today? I've, I've seen you do it. I, I've seen you do it. I've seen you post it on Facebook. I've seen you post it on Instagram, social media. I've seen you do all that kind of stuff. You take selfie, a picture of yourself, and you post it. And, and I like to see them. I really do. But did you know that every day there are 93 million selfies taken and posted on the social media network every day. An average of 93 million. Wow. Can you believe that? An average of 90. When I heard that, that statistic from David Marvin, I thought, you've got to be kidding. 93 million people every day take a selfie and post it on Facebook. And then they, they've come up with this phrase. Have you ever heard death by selfie? <laughs> yeah. You ever heard it? How many's ever heard that? Well, there's a few of that have heard death by selfie. You know what a death by selfie is? It's when you got your phone and you're so focused on yourself that you want to take a real good picture, and this is what you're doing. You're, you're taking it, and you're, and you're looking at yourself, and you want to get the background, and, and as you get the background, you're kind of stepping back and stepping back and stepping back, and before you know it, just about the time you think you get at the right spot, you take a step too far, and you go off the edge, and you usually have a terrible accident and die. 
or you're on your phone in the car and you take a selfie of you driving. And all of a sudden, you're in an accident. I've heard, I don't know, I've never seen it, but I've heard of a person taking a picture of themselves on the train track and they were so focused on themselves, they were hit by the train. Death by selfies. Huh. They're not paying attention to their surroundings. They end up in accidents and perhaps lose their life. Becoming self-focused. Now, now follow me. We're going to the prodigal son in just a moment. But I, 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 I want us to kind of lay some groundwork. Becoming self-focused causes one to become prideful. Hear me. Becoming self-focused because it causes one to become prideful, and pride will bring death into one's life. It will bring death into one's relationship and even in one's ability to have a relationship with their heavenly father. I need to say that again. And even in one's ability to have a relationship with God, their heavenly father. And we see this in scripture because this is what has happened. This is, this is what happened to Satan, to Lucifer. Satan is a created being. He was created by God and Lucifer was one of the most loveliest beautiful angels in heaven. In fact, it was Lucifer or Satan, whatever term you want to use uh, that, that you want to call him, it was Lucifer that led worship in heaven. He led worship to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He, were, he led worship to God Almighty. But yet he became so prideful of his beauty and of himself, he became so focused on himself and his beauty that it caused a death in his relationship with his creator. It caused separation, and of course, he was cast out of heaven. Even Jesus said when he was walking on the face of the earth, I saw Satan fall as, as lightning from heaven. So it broke the fellowship that Satan had with God himself, his creator, because he became so focused on himself. This why this why this explains why God repeats in his word many times concerning pride why he hates it. In Psalms 10 and 4, the Bible says, "In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God." Proverbs Proverbs 8 and 13. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. We find again in Proverbs 16 and 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And then, of course, in the New Testament, James 5 and 5, where James writes and he said, God opposes the proud but gives grace or favor to the humble. You see, pride puts one at odds with God. And pride also seems to be one of those tolerable sins when compared to some others. I mean, if I were to tell you today and look at you and say, man, I have struggled this week. I have struggled with committing murder. 
I have just struggled. There's, there's somebody that I have just struggled about killing this week. You would be appalled. How could you do that? How could you think that, that you even have that thought in your mind that you want to murder someone? And yet, if I tell you I'm really struggling this week with pride, you would probably say, well, so what? What's the big deal? We all struggle with it. It's not a big deal. But yet pride is one of those sins that God hates. Last week, we asked the question, what do you think when God looks at you? I mean, we sometimes think God is fed up with our failures and wants nothing to do with us. We may think he is disappointed in us and, 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 that, we might, and that he might love us more uh, if we worked harder. But according to what we learned last week and according to what Jesus says, God doesn't think like that at all. The truth about God's heart for sinners, which is you and I, tax collectors, which is you and I, the truth about the heart, God's heart for us may surprise us. And it certainly has the power to change our lives. And so we began last week to look at the parable or the story of the prodigal son. And the setting in which Jesus shared the story of a father with two sons. If you will recall, he was sharing the story to a group of people surrounding him called sinners and tax collectors and Pharisees and lawgivers or teachers of the law, I should say. So he had a group of people surrounding him and he begins to share the story because they really didn't know the heart of God. The sinners and the tax collectors really didn't know the heart of God. In fact, when he's talking about these two sons, he, the two sons represent the two, let, let me put it in two categories, the two groups of people. The younger son, as we talked about last week, represents uh, 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 the tax collectors and the sinners, and they probably felt that God rejected them because of their behavior. And that they would never, they would never be worthy of God's love. But the Pharisees, represented by the older son, the older brother, were just the opposite. They wrongfully thought they were accepted because of their good behavior. And last week, we talked about the younger brother. I'm not going to re-preach that message but if you recall, we're going to read the story again in Luke, the 15th chapter. I'm not as good of a reader, as eloquent as a reader as Casey. But I want us to read it. He said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild or riotous living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. 
So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who went, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Now, you got to get the, the story. A Jew would never feed a pig. But this guy had reached rock bottom. He was so desperate that he was willing to go against everything that he had been taught and he believed in and how he was raised, that he was willing to go out and feed the unclean, the pigs, the unclean pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He had no friends. He had no family. He had nothing. He lost it all. And the Bible says when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And I want you to notice that. He was filled with compassion. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But before the son could finish the speech, he said, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandal on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. And so we see the heart of the father for the rebellious son, for the sinners and the tax collectors. That the heart of the Father was not about separation. That the heart of the Father was about reconciliation. It was about having fellowship with his son. And even the Bible used the term he, that he ran. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. He didn't care what anybody thought. His son, which was lost, which his son, which was dead, he is found. He is alive. And they celebrated the return of his son. He would not accept him as a hired servant. Because when he put the ring on his finger, he said, you're not a hired servant. You're not a slave. You're a son. Now, I want you to think about that for you and I just a moment. God has not called you to be a slave. God has not called you to live in a slave relationship. God has called you to be one of his sons or one of his daughters. And I've learned something about being a father. I don't care what my children do or what they've done. I love them. 
My children didn't always do everything just right. Of course, I didn't do everything just right. But I'd never known of a time when my father, earthly father, and my earthly mother didn't love me. And I've never known of a time when they didn't love my rebellious brother. I'm the older brother. (laughs) They've always loved him. And they've always called them his son, their son. And that's what the father feels about you. You are his son and his daughter no matter what you've done in the past, no matter how you've lived, how you've acted, what you did do or what you didn't do, God says, you are my son. And when you come home, we're going to celebrate. I love that. I love that about my heavenly father. But I want us to read on because now I want us to, you see, the parable tells us the heart of our heavenly father For those of us who have been rebellious, he is moved with compassion. But now let's kind of look at the older brother. Meanwhile, in verse 25, it may be up on the board, I don't know. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his of the servants and asked him, "What is going on? Your brother has come," he replied, "and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound." The older brother became angry and refused to go in. Now, can I pause there for just a moment? The older brother became angry and refused to go in. Now, the older brother represents the Pharisees, the keepers of the law, the ones that are very disciplined in their lives. And he says they became angry because they were celebrating the return of the rebellious. Can I be real with you today? Have you ever felt anger because God blessed the rebellious when they came back home? I'm just going to be honest. I have felt that way. I, I, I remember this, this person's on Facebook, and I'm not going to say names or anything. But I, I, I've seen the life of this guy. I, I've seen the way he lived and, 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 and all the things that he did and, 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 the, and, and the, uh, the hurt and the pain that he brought his uh, family and, and everything. And, and, of course, now he is a born-again Christian, which I am thankful for, but he just writes all the time. He writes on Facebook, and he writes all the time. And sometimes I just get, I, I, I feel myself getting, uh, you know, I, you know, after all you did and now you want to look so good? I'm being honest. <laughs> being real. Yeah. And I thought, God, sometimes I'm like this older brother here. 
And then when they rebellious and the ones that have lived a loose life and the ones that have lived a riotous lived life and, and the ones that have done all these things and, and caused all the hurt and the pain and all the frustration in the parents and whatever, and when they come back home and they're celebrating, sometimes I, and, and you begin to bless them and you begin to use them, I sometimes become like the older brother and I get angry. Well, God... How come you're not blessing me like you're blessing them? After all, I'm the one that stayed home. I'm the one that didn't rebel. I'm the one that didn't disobey. I'm the one that didn't walk out on you. But yet you seem to be blessing them a little more than you're blessing me. I'm being real with you. So we see the brother gets angry. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Can we pause there? All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even, you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours... He didn't even call him his brother. When this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. Come on, dad. You see, pride is the biggest barrier in one's relationship with one's heavenly father. As with the older brother in the story, pride in our good behavior can lead us to think that one has earned a relationship with God and can keep one from, here, I want to say this right. As with the older brother in the story, pride in our good behavior can lead us to think that we have earned a relationship with God and can keep one from knowing their heavenly father. Notice in verse 29, the the son calls himself a slave. He refers himself, I have been slaving for you. The older brother doesn't even see himself as a son, but he sees himself as a slave. Hmm. How many times do you and I see ourselves as a slave of God rather than a son of God? Look at I I have slaved for you all of these years and you have never killed the fatted calf for me. I never walked away from the church. I never walked away from your kingdom. I never walked in disobedience to you. I, all of a sudden, there's this prideful attitude, this arrogant spirit that you feel like you've earned the love of God. You've earned fellowship with the Father. You've earned because of your good behavior, because of all the good things that you've done, because you walked in obedience. You've earned this favor and fellowship with God. And the reality is, 
because you feel like you've earned, you never have a, you never know the heart of your father because now you see yourself as a slave. I've got to work for God. I've got to work for God. I've got to work for God. I've got to serve God. I've got to serve God. I've got to do this. If I'm going to get the blessings of God and the favor of God, this is what I've got to do, what I've got to do. And instead of seeing yourself as a son or daughter of God, we see ourselves as a slave. I have slaved for him for the last 40 something years. Why do you say that? Because I've been a pastor. And if I'm not careful, I can become prideful and arrogant and think that I've earned the favor of my father. Hmm. You see, a loving father never wants his children to see themselves as slaves. I never want my son to see himself as a slave. I never want my daughter to see herself as a slave to her father or to her mother. She is my daughter. Chris is my son. And I want you to understand, your heavenly father never wanted you to see yourself as a slave. He wants, to see, he wants you to see yourself as a child, a son, or daughter of God. So how do you see yourself? Because I'm telling you, God doesn't see you as a slave. And God doesn't see you as a servant. God doesn't see you as a hired hand. God doesn't see you as someone that's working for him. God sees you and me as his children. And he never desired for us to have a slave-servant relationship with the master. You see, I've always had this policy, and I've always tried to keep this policy, that my kids, no matter what I'm doing, where I'm at, what, no matter what's going on, my kids can always come to my office at any time and interrupt me. They can. Other people can't, but my kids can come to my office at any time and interrupt me. Why? Because they're my children. That's what the Father thinks of you. You can come to him at any time and you can interrupt him. <laughs> you can come to him. No, it doesn't matter how busy he is. It doesn't matter how busy you think he is. It, it doesn't matter how little the, the, the problem is. It doesn't matter. God wants you to know that you are my child. You're my daughter. You're my son. And I want you to know I don't care what's going on in the world. I don't care what's happening in, in, with the government. I don't care what's happening overseas. I want you to know that any moment, any time in your life, you can come and you can come and approach me because you are my child. I love that. And it doesn't matter what you've done or it doesn't matter what you haven't done. It doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter how you haven't lived. I want you to know you're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. And any time, at any moment, at any time, no matter what you're facing or going through, you have the liberty to approach me at any time because I consider you not a slave, not a servant, not a hired hand. I look at you as my son and my daughter. I love that. So how do you see? I know how God sees you. How do you see it? 
God loves you no matter what your past is, no matter what you've done, no matter the trail or road that you're on. You see, the Pharisees were a group of men who were well-disciplined, and they were rule keepers. To be a Pharisee, one must memorize the first five books of the Torah. That's the first five books of the Old Testament. By the age of 12, they must memorize that. Now, I want you to think about just, I, I, I struggle reading through Leviticus. I struggle just reading it. They had to memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. Memorize it. I struggle reading it, but they had to memorize it. They were so self-disciplined that they would memorize it by the age of 12. Yeah. They were such strict adherers to the law. They would go to the extreme not to disobey it. I mean, such as they wouldn't even say the name of God because of fear of taking his name in vain. If you'll notice the way the Jews spell the name Yahweh, it's Y-H-W-H. They will not spell the entire name of God because of fear of taking God's name in vain. And have you ever heard the term bleeding Pharisee? You know what a bleeding Pharisee is? A bleeding Pharisee is somebody that would just, they would always walk around with their head down because God forbid that some woman come by, some lady come by, and all of a sudden uh, uh, they see the face of the lady or whoever it is, and all of a sudden a thought of lust would come into their mind, and, and perhaps they would begin to commit adultery in their heart. So what they would do, they would keep their heads down, and they would walk, and they called them bleeding Pharisees because they would run into walls. They would go to the extreme, to the extreme, trying to make sure they kept the rules and to make sure they were earning the favor of God. Pharisees thought because of how well they were disciplined and how good they were, they were worthy of God's love. But let me say this. All they were doing for God, all they were doing for God did not create a love for God. All they were doing for God did not create a love for God. You see, what God desires from you and I, his children, is love. Love. He wants to be in a relationship. He wants to be in a love relationship with you. He wants to be in a love relationship where you love him because of who he is. He's your father and because he's so good to you. In fact, the Bible says we didn't love God, uh, we didn't love God, but God first loved us and gave himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice for our sin. You see, God loved you. And we look in Matthew, the 23rd chapter, and we find where Jesus rebukes the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He calls them white sepulchers, and he calls them all kinds of names because they were more concerned, and they were so bent on keeping the law that they didn't love God. They did things 
because they were slaves, because they were servants, because they were duty-bound. They did things because they felt like they had to do in order to earn the favor and the fellowship and, 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 and God's love. But isn't that what we do at times? You see, I've learned something over the years that God doesn't want me to serve him out of fear. He doesn't want me to serve him out of obligation. He doesn't want me to serve him because if I don't serve him, I won't have his favor. He wants me to walk in obedience with him or to him because I love him. And I've discovered something. When you do things out of love, it's not a slave mentality. When you give your something to your children because you love them, you're not doing it because you, you, know, you want to earn their favor or you want to earn your blessings. You give them because you love them. You love them. You love them. I got tickled this week at my son. My son calls me one day, and he's not here, so I can talk about him. I'll ask forgiveness later, but... You know, he called me at it was 7, 7, 7.30 one morning. He said, Dad, my car won't crank. I said, and I was, actually it was on Thursday because I was out at the property because I was trying to get the stuff up before it, the rain came in. And I said, son, I'm out here at the property. I said, just go get my truck. That's what I said. I said, just go get my truck. Why would I do that? Because he's my son. And I'm going to make sure that he's taken care of. If my daughter had called me and said, hey, Dad, my, my, my car's tore off, I would have said, Kelly, go get, my, go get my truck. Just go get it. Just go get it. You do things because you love them. You provide for them because you love them. You, you do things. And I, I tell you, as my dad got older and I got older, I, you know, there was a time that I obeyed my dad because of retribution. If I didn't, there was a spanking coming along. But there came a time in my life that I did not do for my dad because of fear of retribution. I did for my dad because I loved him. I just loved him. I remember one time he called me and he said, son, I, I, I need your help. I, we, we've got to dig the footer out. We've got to dig the foundation out of my house. And uh, it's, it's about six foot deep. He's got a, he had a basement, and it's about six foot of dirt. And he said, I, I, need, I, I need you. I can't do this by myself anymore. And I need you to come and dig this out. And I said, okay, Dad, when do you want to do it? He said, well, I thought we'd get, you know, we'd, we, we would dig it out. And we, last time I did it, we dug it by hand. That's what he told me. Last time I did it, I dug it by hand. I said, Dad, we ain't digging it by hand. I said, we're not doing that. I said, well, will you get ready to do it? I'm going to go rent a track hole, a mini track hole, and we are going to dig it out with a track hole because it's six foot deep. It's probably about 50 foot long. I said, we're not digging that by hand. We're going to get a track hole and dig it out. But whenever you want to do it, you just let me know. I'm coming up there. I'm taking off. We're going to do it, and we're going to get it done. And sure enough, he called me, and we set it up, and we, we scheduled it. You see, I didn't do that because I felt like I had to. I didn't feel obligated to do it. I did it because I love my dad. And that's the way my heavenly father is now in my relationship with him. God wants us to have such a love relationship. In fact, if you'll notice the ending of this verse in 
Derek, if you'll get ready. Notice the ending. He says, my son, my son. Now, he's talking to the elder brother, the oldest brother, who felt like he had to earn the favor of his father, that he was a slave. And he says, my son. The word son there is the only time that Jesus has used the word. It's a Greek word that, that means more than just, it's a very, uh, uh, um, what's the word? It's a, it's a very, uh, it's, a, it's a word that doesn't say my son. It says my child. It's a very tender word. It's a very tender word, and he's saying, my child, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and he is found. And so he talks to the younger Son, pride is one of those things that will keep us from a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Why? Because it keeps us from accepting God's freely given love. Notice what Jesus said in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, or his one and only Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Notice he didn't say whoever behaves. He didn't say whoever gets it right. He didn't say whoever gets my favor. He said whoever believes in him. In who? Jesus. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is only by trusting in Jesus Christ's death, the shedding of his blood for our sins, his burial and resurrection, that you and I are able to have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. David Marvin said this, I'm going to quote, one can be lost through rebellion and one can be lost through religion. One can be lost through rebellion And one can be lost through religion. The father loved both his sons, the rebellious and the religious. And neither son really knew the heart of their father. God wants you to know his heart. And lately, if I'm beginning to discover the heart of who God is, and as I read this story of the prodigal son, How that my heavenly father is moved with compassion on the entire world that's rebellious and on me. And not only is my heavenly father moved with compassion, but he's moved with compassion upon the religious because they don't know him. They don't know him. They don't know the heart of the father. They don't know that they're not trying, that they don't have to earn the favor. They don't have to earn the love of God. All they have to do is freely accept the given love of God. I discovered something. It's not good people that go to heaven. It's not disciplined people that go to heaven. It's forgiven people 
they can go to heaven. And I'm forgiven. Not because I deserved it, but because I believed in the Father's Son whom He sent to redeem my life from destruction. I'm forgiven because I believed in the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm forgiven because I believed, I believed, I believe, and I believe today. And because I believe, I am forgiven. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. All because you believed. And today I walk in relationship with him. Not because I'm a slave but because I'm a child of my Father. That's what God is wanting for you. And I want to challenge you today that maybe you're living in that rebellious state. Maybe you've been running from God and you've been walking in disobedience and you've been going in the opposite direction, but God is saying to you this morning, I love you. And as you begin to turn back to the Father, you say, well, my life is falling apart and my world is falling apart and I don't have anybody. I don't have anybody. I'm telling you, God says, you got me. You got me. And when you begin to turn to the Father, He runs towards you. He's already pursuing you. He's seeking you out. He's looking for you. And when you begin to to approach him, I'm telling you, he runs to you. He is so moved with compassion because you are lost and now you are found. You are dead and now you are alive. Maybe today you're one of those that have tried to earn the favor and the love of God. And you see yourself as a slave and a servant. I know what Paul says. He considered him a slave and a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ after he recognized that he was a child and a son of God. He didn't serve God because he was afraid of God. He didn't serve God because he felt like he had to earn God's favor. He served him because he loved him because of what Jesus did for him. Today, that may be you. And you're feeling the stress and the anxiety of trying to make sure I want to please God, I want to please God, I want to please God. And if you're just doing it because you want to please God, you don't know the heart of your Father. The heart of the Father says, I want you to know you're my son, you're my daughter. And I don't want you to do things because you feel like you have to. I want you to do things because you love me. Because you're in relationship with me. Because everything I have is yours. Notice that? Everything I have is yours. That's what Jesus said. That's what the Father said. Everything I have is yours. You never had to earn it. You never had to work for it. It was yours to begin with. It was yours from the beginning. And all of the blessings and promises of God It's not something we earn. It's something that is freely given that's already ours because we're in a relationship with our Heavenly Father. So let me ask you the question in closing. Where are you today? 
Are you in that kind of relationship with the Father? That's a loving relationship that you know the heart of your Father, that you know that even if you mess up, my God's going to love me anyway. Even if you don't get it right, my God's going to love me. Even if you rebel, God's going to love me. And I know I can go back to my Father. And my Father's going to be moved with compassion. So where are you at today? How's your relationship with your God, with your Heavenly Father this morning? Would you stand? Father God, I I know there are two groups of people here, like me. God, I know that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God, I know that many of us were raised in the church and we've become religious. So God, I believe there's two groups of people here as in the story. But Father, today I pray that you would somehow begin to pull back the curtain and that you would begin to give us a revelation of your heart today. That God, that we will never see ourselves as a slave, not to sin and not to duty. But God, that we'll begin to see ourselves as sons and daughters. That we'll begin to see ourselves as children of the Most High. That we'll begin to see ourselves, not, not see you as a master, as a slave owner, but God, that we'll see you as a loving, heavenly Father that just wants the reciprocation of the love of his children, a love relationship. So God, wherever we're at in our life today, would you pull back the veil? Would you open our spiritual eyes that we may see you for who you really are? The love that you have for all of us, wherever we're at. And perhaps tonight, today, God, we may not be in that relationship with you, that love relationship. God, would you help us to turn around, to come running back to you? Even if we're religious, that we'll turn around and come running back to you and say, God, I don't want to be a a slave to religion. I want to be a son of the Most High. I want to be a daughter of the Most High. Lord, I don't want to be a slave to sin. Oh, Lord, I want to be a child of the great King, the mighty God. So wherever we're at, would you speak to us today? And would you help us to repent? Help us to repent, to turn back from whatever direction we've gone in, to turn back to you, and to realize that I am a child of the Most High God today. I'm sorry that I made you a slave owner. I'm sorry that I, that I rebelled. I'm sorry. I just want a relationship with you today. Would you forgive me? God, I believe that you will when we repent. God, speak to our hearts today. We ask it in your name, Jesus. This altar's open. If you'd like to come and pray, I'd love to pray with you. There's others that would love to pray with you this morning. Listen, I want you to know the heart of your Father, your Heavenly Father. And I want you to know today you're not a slave to sin or to religion. You're in love relationship with your Heavenly Father. You're a child of God today. So this altar's open if you'd like to come and pray. 
as we sing this song, as we worship. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Because you are. Thanks for listening to the St. Mary's Church Podcast. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today or have more questions about following Jesus, we have pastors who want to talk with you. Connect with us at stmaryschurch.net or through social media on Facebook or Instagram. We can't wait to hear what Jesus is doing in you.